If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you would take them and, and turn, if you would, to Joshua. I'd like to, to share with you just for a few moments this morning. For those of you that may just be joining us, this is not our normal setup on a Sunday morning. This entire place was a cave last night. And uh, because of the special equipment that's going to be needed to bring this down, we decided just to leave this up today. So uh, that's why the screens over here and the technology looks a little bit different. Um, for those of you that were here last night, thank you. I, I, I saw a lot of people saying I, my knees hurt, my ankles hurt, my back hurts from all the standing that we've been doing. And, uh, but you really did make a difference in people's lives. I personally had a chance to speak to over 600 people um, about what our church is about and, and uh, uh, the number of people that said that, that they are looking forward to coming and spending time with us on a Sunday could put us into real jeopardy if they all show up uh, at the same time, we may have to start adding more services. Uh, but thank you. Thank you for giving to your community uh, in a way that just demonstrated the love of Jesus Christ. We've been on a series for the past five weeks on, uh, out of the book of Joshua talking about possessing your promise, examining the children of Israel leaving the wilderness and into the promised land that God gave them and how that applies to our life. And the things that we can draw from that that God would give to us. And in in Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to be kind of highlighting Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 this morning. And I'm going to do it in a very quick way. I'm I'm telling you, we are not going to be able to dig all of the nuggets of truth out of this. So in your personal time of reading, begin to look through these chapters and see what the Lord would share with you. But there's some things I do feel that God wants to share with us as a congregation this morning. In verses 9 through 11 of chapter 3, it says, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Ammonites, and the Jebusites. See the ark of the Lord of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth will go into Jordan ahead of you. So, Father, as we approach your word today, we recognize that the way that we learn from it and the way that we grow spiritually is by the illumination of your Holy Spirit that takes the words of this living Bible and applies it in such a way that it becomes nourishment to us spiritually. And I pray that you would do that through your anointing this morning over these next few minutes. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've missed any of these, you can go to the church website and click on the media icon and all of our Sunday messages are there so that you don't have to feel like you've missed anything. But in our journey so far, we've been talking about what it takes in our life to pursue the promises of God, that God has something for each of us beyond what we are currently living, victories that he wants to lead us into that require of us to activate levels of faith that we have not yet attained. And today I want to talk about living, or your faith in action, living your faith, your faith in action. As it comes to the Word of God, you can believe it, you can dream it, you can talk about it, but there comes a point in your faith walk that demands that if you want to see the hand of God move in some new ways, you must actively participate in it. There are too many people who are people who are of faith that have yet to explore dynamics of obedience that would lead them to greater levels of what God wants to accomplish in their life. And if you ever want to experience a miracle of God, 
you are going to have to learn how to not just talk about faith, not just read about faith, but how you can involve yourself in obedience and walk in faith as the Lord leads you to where he wants to take you. Now, faith is something that has many dynamics. I was looking at it in my mind uh, almost like an octopus that has different arms and dynamics to it, even though it is, it is one organism. And we recognize that because there have been, for most of us that are here today, an aspect of faith that we released when we became followers of Jesus Christ. We knew that we had to respond in faith and believe the claims that he has made, believe that what he accomplished on the cross was to satisfy a penalty that we could not pay ourselves. We believed that when we came to him and asked him to forgive us that he would and that what he would in turn give to us would be peace and contentment and a joy that comes from knowing that we are not the same people that we were before we came in contact with him. And we extended faith to believe that. That is one of the dynamics of faith that we call saving faith. I believe as we begin to look at this passage of Scripture that we see that there are other dynamics of faith that God was calling his people to demonstrate so that they could move on. There was a dynamic of faith that they had demonstrated when they left Egypt after 400 years that was a delivering faith. They were moving from a situation where they'd been in captivity. They had been praying and asking God to deliver them. And how many of you know there are some times that things get so bad in your life that it motivates you to do something about them? This is what had happened to the children of Israel. So hard has the captivity been that when Moses stood and said, I've come to deliver, they were anxious to walk in a delivering faith that would get them out of the situation they were in. But we discover as we read the scripture that they wandered for 40 years because they did not know the difference between a delivering faith and a conquering faith. I'm willing to run from something, but I've not yet learned to run to something. I'm willing to be satisfied of staying in a wilderness because it's better than what I had, but I don't yet exhibit the trust that what God wants to lead me to is better than where I am today. And so the Hebrews had exhibited faith in their exit out of Egypt as well as experiencing a deliverance from the bondage of the past. And at the crossing of the Jordan miracle, they were about to enter into a new dimension of faith which was not an exit faith but an entrance faith into something that God was leading them into that would require of them conquest. I believe that God has brought us as a body and perhaps you as individuals especially those of you that have experienced the joy of becoming a follower of Christ, that we've experienced that salvation faith, but too many people enjoy the feeling of having their sins forgiven, but not necessarily ready to step into the conquest nature of faith that would lead you to the promises that God wants to direct you to, and that's where the victories lie is yet ahead of you. We're glad to run from the past, glad to be delivered from our sin. But God wants us to know that the promises that he desires for us to have in our life, the desires to possess them require of us the dynamic of I will walk in conquest behind the presence of the Lord. It's easy to criticize the children of Israel for wandering for 40 years in a desert 
that should only have taken them 40 days. Because I believe that many of them were so happy to be out of bondage that they decided to settle there. And many people today have settled in their spirit in a place where you are enjoying the joys of knowing Jesus, but there is yet in this series the desire of God to lead you forward to greater heights. I discovered we're not all that different than the children of Israel. Lord, let us not be satisfied to merely be numbered among the saved, but let us hunger to be numbered among the conquerors. The conquerors. You see, I want you to know today the God I proclaim to you is not the God that just gets you out. He's the God that leads you in. He's a God that has a plan for you. And there are two passages of Scripture that relate this to us. One of them is found in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 30 through 39, when it says, In all these things, and if you were to read the previous verses, you would discover a list of things that are outlined for us. And it says, In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, some of you are going, Man, I would like to be a conqueror once. I don't know what it means to be more than a conqueror. Once would be nice for me. Well, good news for you today. God's going to lead you. You're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he gives us this list. And as I read this, I want you to picture your life right now and see how many of these apply to you. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Now, does that just about cover all your fears? I think it gets them all. Regardless of what you may be afraid of, regardless of the things that keep you awake at night, it says that in all of these things, nothing can separate you from God through Christ Jesus. So, when we begin to step into a conqueror's dynamic of faith we need to understand we've already been guaranteed there's nothing that this earth or in creation can throw our way that's going to keep us from the victory that God wants to lead us into as we possess our promise so you can take a big deep breath God's not going to lead you to your destruction he's going to lead you to your victory and then in second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 it says this his divine power has given us Everything. Can you say that word with me? Everything. Now, you know what that means, don't you? It means everything. Everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. And then if you have an underliner, I would like you to underline this next line within your Bible. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Here's the promises he's given to us that he's going to lead us into. So that through them, in other words, if you don't reach for the promises, you're going to miss out on what he wants to do. Through them, you may participate in his divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. So here we have it. As God is leading us to possess our promise, he doesn't want us satisfied with a saving faith. He wants to lead us to a conqueror's faith. He says, I've got promises that when you get in them, you're going to look back at life as it is now, and you're going to think how shallow this was, how shallow we're living now compared to where he wants to direct our paths as we follow him. And when we stop pressing into God 
for all that he has for us, we downshift into a very passive faith, and passive faith will always hinder us from possessing our promised land and living out what God wants to accomplish here on earth through us. So God says, my power has already provided everything you need for life and godliness. Now, as you apply this to the children of Israel, God already knew how he was going to get them across that swollen river. He knew what he was going to accomplish. The people didn't know it. But God was never left without a plan, and so it is within our life. He may be leading you to something, you're going, can you just tell me what we're going to do before we get there? Now, that's not the way he works. He says, no, I want you to trust me enough that you believe that I've got victory ahead for you, but it's going to require that you activate a conqueror's faith. And in this, Joshua says there's two things that are necessary for the people to be able to inherit all the promises. And if you have a bulletin, those are the two points that I want to just highlight for a couple of minutes. One of them is they needed to demonstrate his presence. To demonstrate his presence. Joshua was telling a people that were a little bit nervous, that had been used to living in a defeated state. Remember, they'd been in captivity. The want, the want to to win had been knocked out of them. They were just in a survival mindset. And Joshua says, here's how we're going to build that back up. Number one, you need to hear the word of God. How many of you know that when you hear God's word, it activates something in you that begins to build a hope within you? And he told them, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the Lord your God is among you. And so there's this aspect of our faith that we have got to be constantly in the word of God and in the environment of the word so that we can grow through that. And then he said, and see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth as it goes into the Jordan ahead of you. For those of you who understand a little bit about the Old Testament, you'll know that the Ark of the Covenant was the picture, the type, the symbol of the presence of God. It was in the Holy of Holies. Wherever it was, was holy ground. And so when they're talking about taking the Ark, they're talking about the presence of God is going to go before you into the Jordan River, and then God will do something to allow you to cross in all of that. And so he says, surround yourself with the Word of God and watch for His presence. Here's what I would say to you. We've got to be really careful today with what we allow to influence our spirit. I know this might sound old-fashioned and maybe a little bit legalistic, but we've got to be careful what we feed our spirit through our eyes. We've got to be cautious about what we feed our spirit through our ears. There's a different attitude that you take throughout your day when you have filled yourself with worship. When you're in the car and you don't care what the person next to you is saying because you're just worshiping God because the music is filling your spirit. You've filled your heart with the things of the Lord. That carries you. On the other hand, When the tentacles of compromise begin to grab a hold of you and we begin to think of ourselves, I can put some dirty water in my spirit and ultimately it'll be filtered out. I want you, that affects us over time. And so Joshua was telling the people, listen, in order to have a conqueror's faith, you've got to fill your spirit with that which will build a conqueror's faith. Because Satan will try to fill your spirit with that which will bring doubt. Deceit and discouragement to your soul. And so he very clearly speaks to even the pessimists by saying, God's going to go before you. His presence will drive them out. His ark will be there. Follow where he leads. If you want a conqueror's faith, just follow the Holy Spirit. 
Because he's not going to lead you to defeat. He's going to lead you to conquer and to lay hold of your promises. You'll notice, as you look at the history of the children of Israel, that when they escaped, they crossed the Jordan, and that miracle led to another miracle that leads to another miracle. God wants to lead us. Now, it's easy for us after we see one to say, whoa, that's it, man, I'll never get another chance, you know. That was the biggie, and God's going, man, that's the way I work. I am the God of miracles. When I'm leading, I want you to know I provide. It begins to remove from us all of the fear of the what-ifs, knowing that God works this way among his people. Now, here's one of the things that we're going to have to learn to develop, and I'm preaching to myself this morning, because this is not my nature. One of the things that God was trying to develop in his people was that the element of faith that they would grow in would be a militant and conquering faith. A militant and conquering faith. He said, you're going into the land. There's already people there. I will drive them out before you. But you've got to show up before I will drive them out. We're on the other side of the river going, Lord, you you clear the land, Lord. Once we've seen the dust of their feet running out of the other side, we will march across the river. We'll shout hallelujah. You've done the work. We get the blessing. Woo-hoo! The Lord says no. Because there's a dynamic of your faith that will never be developed unless you learn to walk in the militant attitude of I will not be defeated. I will cross following the presence of the Lord I will let the enemies of my God see me coming. I will let God drive them out, but I will show up for the battle. I will show up prepared. I will show up in the armor of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to take my place, and then God wins the victory, but you have to get there. And there's an attitude that we, the church, have become so passive about. And in this dynamic of faith, as we're pursuing our promises, God wants us to have an attitude of, I am in the Lord's army. We sing the song of angel armies around us, and we shout hallelujah to that, but I want you to know something. We are in that army, and we need to learn to walk and march and conquer in the Lord. And so you get that assurance by listening and by obeying and walking in confidence where he leads. I have to tell you that in my life and in Cindy and ours, Cindy and the life that Cindy and I have together, God has provided so many different miracles. And as a result of that, we oftentimes in our conversations look back on our life and we talk about what God has done because it builds our faith that because he's done it in the past, he's not going to leave us in the middle of the river and let the water come back. For us, I remember the moment when he called me into the ministry after I had already studied to go through college for a couple of years to prepare to go into business. And, and I can remember the moment when I was praying with a young man and led him to Christ when God changed all my desires. And I remember thinking, oh no, Lord. Oh no. And I was at a campground and I went out to a huge propane tank and I laid my head on the tank and I'm just going, God, is this really happening? Because this is going to mess up all my plans. And then I begin to say, if this is what you're doing, I need you to confirm that. Father, if you really want me to do this, then can you help me graduate from college with no school bill? And I remember getting to the end of my senior year, the last semester, and I'm $345 short. And I'm just 
six weeks away from graduation and I have worked all I can work and I looked at the numbers and for those of you that know me, you know I am a numbers person. And I knew I was going to be short and I had no idea what God was doing and so I began to question, is, is this really the direction you're leading me or did I just miss it? Was it just a spiritual high? And, and I went to a church that, that Sunday and I'm there and the pastor called me up on the platform and said, listen, we missed you over the winter but there's a scholarship here for you and we just want to give a, a $500 scholarship that covered my whole bill a little bit. And I stood there weeping as I realized, oh no. This is really happening. I remember when I shared with Cindy when we were dating that God was changing all of my plans and the look on her face as the color left it, like, he's asking you to do what? She goes, I was okay dating you when you were going into business. She had grown up in a pastor's home. She knew what the life would be like, and she was going, no. I'm saying, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this, do you really want me to offer this relationship on the altar? I love this woman, and I want to pursue a life with her, but I will do whatever. And so I begin to write her notes and stick them in her pocket. Mary Doug, signed God. You got to marry that man. He's a good man. And she began to discover that God and I had the same kind of handwriting. And I remember when we sat at Shoney's one night, and we were... It's a chocolate cake with a layer of vanilla ice cream and another layer of chocolate cake. We ate a lot of that. And, and coffee, and she began to look at me, and she says, I've been praying about this. And she says, the Lord began to speak to me and said, what have I created your whole life for? But for this, and again, I'm in tears as God began to reveal that when he leads, he provides and he confirms as he goes along. And, and we've been able to share these things with our children as, as how God leads us by faith and into ways that we didn't expect. But I can tell you, I could never have planned a life this good if I'd done it on my own. I remember six years ago, standing on this very platform, candidating to become the pastor of this church, Cindy and I had spoken to each other and talked to the Lord, and we felt like if God wanted us to be here, that we needed the affirmation of the members of this church, that at least 85% of you would say, yeah, we believe that this is God's will for us, and we believe it's God's will for you. For those of you that have been here a while, you'll know that that was no guarantee. The bylaws stated all we needed was 67%, but I remember when the superintendent came downstairs and he said, what do you need in order to say that you'll take the church? And I said, 85%. He said, will 100% do? And again, we wept. And how God goes before. And he leads us. God has demonstrated his power, not just in our life, but each of you could stand here and tell these same stories. And these are important stories because it gives us the desire to become a conquering faith person as we move forward. Because if he's done it in the past, he's not given up on you in the middle. He's got something more for you. And so we move forward with a conqueror's faith and a militant faith that God wants to develop in the dynamic of our abilities. So here's what I ask you. What miracles or sign has God performed in your life that he wants you to build on and your trust with him? Because there's something. And lastly, he wants us to declare his testimony. 
I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but as you go into chapter 4, you'll discover that the priests, when they walked with the ark, stepped out into the river, and they stayed there, and it said the people walked by them. And then I I love, there's one line in chapter 4, it said, the people hurried to cross the river. I'm thinking, if God has his hand up here and he's blocked, now it was several miles upriver that he's blocked it, so they didn't know where it was blocked. They just knew that it was blocked, and they're all thinking, listen, after, after my faith has been beat up for 400 years. We're walking through this in victory, but how do I know that God's not going to sneeze and move his hand for a moment and wipe me out? And when they all got across, Joshua said, I need one, one man from each of your 12 tribes to go back into the river bottom. And you need to take something out of there. He says, because the places where you've been, those moss-covered rocks, that muddy area, I want you to pull those out because those rocks look different than the rocks that are on the shore. And I want you to build an altar on the other side. So that whenever your children come by this in years to come, they're going to say, how did those rocks from the middle over there get to here? And you're going to tell them the story of God's deliverance. Because that's part of the faith journey. I want them to see something that was covered and something that was impossible to do. Something that could not be done by human hands. And you're going to have to tell them, this is God's promise to us. It's an altar of God's promise. And there's a testimony that each of you have that's like that stone. And God is saying, if you want to move into a conqueror's faith, if you want to move into the military faith, then you're going to have to take the stones of your testimony and share with people about what God has done in your life. Because there's something that happens in you as you tell it that brings the freshness back of what God has done and also encourages others that if he's done it for you, he'll do it again. He will do it again. This is what happens when the impossible meets the power of God. Whatever is happening in your life today, worship team, please come. I want you to know you may have even said these things. I am in an impossible situation. I have no idea what I'm going to do. I don't know which way to turn. I want you to know that as long as God is in your life, that your impossibility becomes his opportunity. Because he knows exactly what he wants to do. And it's called pursuing his promises. They're great and they're precious and they're valuable. And it leads you beyond the wilderness experience of just being satisfied with being delivered from sin. And it leads you into a conqueror's attitude of we are going to take the land everywhere our foot tread belongs to the Lord. And we're going to begin to march. And we're going to see God's presence go before us. And we're going to enjoy the fact that he leads us to victory unto victory. Would you stand with me as we sing this song? and then? 